Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. John and I are back on a Thursday evening, Friday morning for those of you listening. Uh, John, how has uh, how has the week been for you? Anything going on? I don't imagine that you're doing too much different than what you did last week. Well, something different. We're, we're finally moving into our house, so this weekend's all sweating and lifting and doing our best to get in there as fast as possible. So yeah, doing that. So with three kids should be uh, a big adventure. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we have a little, uh, a plan. So uh, I think, uh, I think we'll be all right. So it's exciting, exciting. It's going to be, it's going to be really exhausting, but once we get in and once we get settled and our roots get planted, we'll be very happy. So bigger place, like bigger, what, definitely what? bigger. Yeah. It's a house. Yeah. Right now we're in a duplex and we had a couple you know, our, our, our last one was kind of unexpected. So, you know, and so now we're, you know, finally put down our roots finally. So we're, okay, what, what's excited. the, be- what's the bedroom situation like for the kids? Who's sharing, who's got their own? Uh, Chloe and Hunter will continue to share for a while. And then eventually Hunter I and mean, Chloe and Hunter will, and Kate, Chloe and Kaylee, gosh, I know Chloe and Kaylee will uh, eventually be sharing rooms and stuff. So, I mean, we could use another room, of course, but I mean, we're happy to have this house and a lot more space. Kids have a playroom, um, which is going to be exciting and um, see how they grow into that and be a nice room. They can come over to hang out with their friends and stuff when they get older. It's going to be a nice chill room for them. So it's, it's, it's a cool house, man. I can't wait for you guys to come over, you and Crystal, and have a nice dinner with us and then oh, yeah. enjoy the backyard. Yeah, man. I, I can't wait to host all you guys. Heartbreak Kid and and uh, Raquel. Man, I can't. I, I, I miss that stuff. I miss socializing, you know, with the COVID-19. And speaking of socializing, hanging out and big things, happy birthday, man. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It was uh, it was a nice day, you know. I, I know Facebook gets a lot of flack and especially right now, deservedly so. Uh, you know, I think... Uh, Mm-hmm. City of uh, or, or in in uh, in Minneapolis, uh, things are not are not very uh, civil right now, and and uh, very much uh, deservedly so. But uh, you know, Facebook gets a bad rap for just being uh, a little bit of a, of a megaphone for people. But one of the great things about Facebook is that you know, if you have friends and stuff and, and, and birthdays. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a very nice way to communicate with people, especially on a day like this. So, uh, yeah, got lots of nice messages, had a, had fun, had some cake had hung out with the kids and we'll see, uh, you know, we'll see what happens this weekend. Uh, not a lot of stuff, 
except for a UFC show when it comes to the stuff that we cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, no wrestling really until uh, next weekend with the uh, the the uh, NXT show. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it should be pretty quiet, but uh, you know, the UFC stuff is is interesting. It's it's kind of fun. It, it's it's um, without the crowd, it's it's a different experience. But I feel like because of the ultimate fighter and stuff like that, where we're sort of used to it a, l- a little bit more, but yeah, I, I I've been enjoying it so far. So another show this weekend, uh, Tyron Woodley and uh, Gilbert Burns in the main event. Hey, speaking of Facebook, guess who I got a friend request from? Uh, Ricky Morton. No, 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 no. Mr. Ron Ng. Remember my friend chatting his dad? Oh yeah. Irritating the hell out of him. My VHS tapes to record pay-per-views when I was a kid. I probably told that story about five or six times here. So oh, yeah. I, did, I finally said, Ron Ng's friend requested me. I had to, I had to text Chad and say, is this, your, is this legit? And he's like, yeah, dad's bored. He's going, he's, he's, he's stepping up his Facebook game. He's, he's nice. requesting people. Nice. So, uh, okay. So, uh, let, let's, let's kind of get it started here. I'll, uh, Obviously, first and foremost, shouting out uh, our sponsor, uh, Bet Online. Um, so, a few things happened in wrestling. Um, you know, I, th- I think at least for the kind of like the, and I don't even know how high scale this is, but uh, Mike Tyson showed up on AEW. Mm-hmm. Looks like we don't know yet, but it looks like. We may get to see a match with Mike Tyson and Chris Jericho. I wrote on the website late last night that uh, Mike Tyson's already had a match. It was in WWE. It was Mike Tyson and Chris Jericho against D-Generation X, where in which Mike Tyson turned on Chris Jericho, threw a right hand, laid him out, and uh, he was pinned by DX. The the part I forgot about that match was Hornswoggle's involved somehow, so... Uh, I just forgot about that match completely. He was talking about it. I thought he was kind of making up stories, and I'm like, I kind of vaguely maybe remembered, and I kind of had to go back and look. So so that's interesting, and I'm glad you said that because I was wondering why Jericho was doing a callback to the match because one of the selling points to this match is Mike Tyson's never had a one-on-one match, a wrestling match before. He did the angle, and we're going to have a piece up on Friday sort of about what people are thinking about the angle and, and Tyson, whether he means anything to pro wrestling in 2020. We'll have that up on, on Friday. But because Jericho mentioned it, um, I, I not not that, you know, AEW's not really trying to lie about things or whatever. They're not, they're not, they're not trying to pretend that they're the only wrestling company in existence. But I just I was just thinking like how would Vince McMahon do this? He would not have mentioned that they had a match ten years ago, uh, a little bit over ten years ago, and that Mike Tyson had already wrestled. But Jericho, as a way to kind of create the reason to have this face off with Mike Tyson, mentioned the match on on Monday night as a callback to uh, to Raw. I just thought it was interesting because it was just a different strategy than than what I'm used to and what I'm used for, you know used to for wrestling companies to you know, just forget about the other companies out there and focus on yours. And in this case, Jericho literally said, oh yeah, Mike Tyson punched me in the face 10 years ago on, on uh, Monday Night Raw. Yeah, I would have, I would have, I wouldn't have done that call back. I would have tried to do something new and, and, and creative with it. I, th- cause like, like, I, I mean, I, you know, me, I watch 
too much wrestling, right? So, yep. and I forgot about it. So, yeah. I mean, how was the 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 casual fan that maybe maybe saw how they can remember it? Or you know, it's it's if people think Iron Mike Tyson and pro wrestling, they think the Stone Cold Steve Austin angle. Oh right? yeah, oh yeah. So I I was I didn't even like I said I was like I was like wow I totally forgot about that. So. Um, I, I would have gone something creative, and I, I don't think they did a really creative job on the TV show. I'm sure we'll talk about that later, but I, I was a little disappointed in how they shot the angle. I think they could have been, like I said, a little bit more creative, a uh, different angle, not just really out of the blue. I mean, it just felt out of the blue, and that callback to me didn't really mean anything because I didn't remember it. So yeah, yeah. No, but let's just, let's talk about it here. We can talk about the other stuff on NXT and AEW uh, in in a little bit, but. So just, you know, I think everybody who's listening probably remembers this, but there there might be people who didn't even get to watch it live, which was in January of 1999, Mike Tyson, who just a couple of months earlier was suspended. His license, his boxing license was suspended because he bit Evander Holyfield on the ear. So we're, I, I believe it was in November of 97, he fights Evander Holyfield for the second time, bites his ear. Uh, his purse, like $3 million of his purse is, is withheld, like not that big of a chunk for him. But uh, And then his license is suspended, and it's suspended until the fall of, of uh, 98. So it's like almost a year, I think, they suspend it. So he's, he can't box, and so this is sort of perfect timing. Vince McMahon brings in this crazy man who just bit off another man's uh, part of his ear uh, in a boxing match. And, you know, Tyson is, is just perfect for the moment. Uh, if he doesn't do that to Evander Holyfield, is he a part of the show? I don't know. I actually don't know the details behind that. But, you know, it, it creates the the launching pad for Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania 14 and really is one of the things that helps kickstart the Attitude Era. Now, he, he's only there for, you know, a couple of Raws in that one match, so we can't say that, oh, you know, he's the reason why the Attitude Era happened. No, I've, you know, but it was one of the, the things that sort of lit the fire for them. And so he is so embedded in that Attitude Era and it's an it's a it's a it's a time frame that WWE will never stop promoting. Like that's their time frame, and that's what they always measure themselves against. So we see that stuff over and over and over and over and over. So now you have it. Twenty two years later, he's back. He's now fifty three instead of thirty two or thirty one or whatever he would have been back then. And he still looks like mm-hmm. Mike Tyson, right? Like he looked awesome in, in the ring. If you if you actually if you look back ten years ago, at the at the time when he punched Chris Jericho, he looked like he was very chubby. Did not look like he was in great shape. But fast forward now, he's in tremendous shape for his age, absolutely. And so I just found it to be so interesting. Like, what does fifty three year old Mike Tyson mean to pro wrestling? When he is remembered for specifically for that that really really famous famous moment, and you know, a, a Stone Cold Steve Austin probably won't comment on it, but I'd really be interested in in hearing what he would say mm-hmm. about it because he was so involved in that, and that in in you know, much like Mr. T and Cindy Lauper are kind of intertwined with Hulk Hogan's rise, uh, he similarly is in, intertwined with Stone Cold Steve Austin, so. Yeah. 
I, I just thought, I thought it was interesting. And like, what does it mean? Like, I'm trying to figure it out. Like, obviously, this is not going to create a wrestling boom in any way. Like, AEW is is much lower on the totem pole, and also. You know, Mike Tyson is, has not been in a in, in the ring for probably I don't know fourteen years or something like mm. that, as far as a boxing match. So um, his celebrity exists. It, it, it he went viral not too long ago when he showed that he could still hit the mitts like a crazy man. But it's not like he is uh, you know out there um, actively fighting or actively drawing pay per views. So what like what do you think he means to the company? Um, you know, whatever the buy rate was for for this show, it sounds like they did really well considering the time. But I mean, could he take them from a hundred and ten thousand buys to one twenty five or to one fifty? Because I think that's the that's the scale we're talking. We're not talking about going from you know two hundred and fifty thousand buys for WrestleMania thirteen or whatever that was three hundred thousand to seven hundred and fifty. Like that was a gigantic increase. We're talking much smaller potatoes. But I just wanted your thoughts on what you think he means. Uh, I think they'll get a little bit of an increase. I think they'll get a little bit of press out of this. Um, it all it all depends about the now the follow up to this angle, how they continue to build up interest because what Fighter Fest is what sometime in the summer, right? Unknown date at this time, right? Um, I think they were trying to talk originally talk about this match being at um, the Labor Day show, right? The uh, was that um, all out, all out, right? So I, I, that's what I would guess. How would you keep this interesting enough until then, right? So that that will be something I'm really looking forward to. I, like I said, I, if they do that correctly, they build that interest to that point. I think it'll definitely help out. Um, but you know, I kind of you know first thing I go back is thinking about the Austin angle, right? And I look at the characters involved in that. Like, you have Steve Austin who kind of captures people's attention because he is a badass. Like, he's presented himself as a badass. Like, you believe, like, this is a crazy, wild-ass redneck. And if you're a casual viewer who doesn't know Chris Jericho, you might think he's an 80s wrestling manager, right? With the secret (laughs) Because the way he looks. Yeah, the way he looks. Just the way he looks. And... So you might, you know, you're not, you're, you're probably thinking, well, shoot, Mike Tyson will kill that guy. But then maybe with Stone Cold Steve Austin, because he's such a wild man and a badass and talked a good game, you maybe like, you're like, hmm, I don't know, man. I don't know if Mike Tyson could beat that guy up, et cetera. So, um, so and here, here's a point I will, I, I will remind you that you made, which was before, I would say before the last two weeks, so maybe about a month ago, Jericho was there number one color guy mm-hmm. and you, you made this point consistently that he is overexposing himself as a comedy figure and so now you know they have how many months to to get to all out but i think part of what we've seen from jericho lately has been more of the personality and less of the wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he did. I think he personally did a good job in the angle. Obviously Tyson is goofy. Like he was kind of maybe a little unsure of what to do. He was like pl- playing or portraying what he thought he was supposed to do. But there, there is some of that for Jericho, whereas he was not portraying himself lately as a badass world champion. He was much more the entertainer, Chris Jericho. Yeah, and, and saying this whole show, he was you know doing a lot of sh- a lot of Gaga, and even like the lead up to this angle during their victory or not was that the celebration? It's like what was they called it? They called it their um, 
not celebration, kind of like their, it was a pep rally. Thank you, pep rally. And it was all, I mean, it was the most boring, I'm all, I'm all, this is this is so boring, like what they were doing. And I, and I knew Mike Tyson's coming out, because I did see a clip on Twitter before, so I knew this was the angle. But the lead up to that was so boring. And, you know, Jericho, all of a sudden, he's serious. Like, all of a sudden, he's serious of, of all the guys. And and now he's upset about something. I just thought it was really poorly executed. Mike Tyson came out. He's, you know, it's Mike Tyson. He's he's kind of goofy. He had a hard time ripping his shirt off. No one taught him the gimmick. I know. Um, um, then you had his that guy, the missing link next to him, Gooch. Or where the hell is he? Like that, like that guy was so distracting during his whole. He's right next to Mike Tyson's what? right. Why was he there? I know. I wish Tony Khan would have said, "Hey, Mike, we can't have this guy." I mean, he could be in the far, maybe the far background, but like right next to him. Like, how do you take this serious? Like, when you have this guy who I don't know what is what's his gimmick? Who is this guy? Who is? This? I don't know, but, but I, I know I know where he got his name from because uh, Arnold Jackson's uh, main rival in different strokes was named the Gooch. <laughs> That's the only <laughs> thing I know about it. <laughs> I, it, it it's, that was just part of the issue. Then it kind of it broke down, and we like you knew was you knew was going to happen, right? There's going to be a showing match, going to be a pull apart, and then and like, did you notice? Um, in this segment, like Sammy Vard in the whole segment, he comes out with crutches and he's hobbling again because he took that big one wing angel off that stadium and into that big crash pad. And he's like, all oh, beat up. But when the pull bar happened, he's fine as a daisy. It's adrenaline, man. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. They're just, they're just, they're so inconsistent with stuff. Um, so it was just, I don't know. I, 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 I know they got a couple stuff on on there out there. I think TMZ covered it or something, but I'm sure ESPN like. But like, what websites cover? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's ESPN Sports Center covered. That's the thing, you know, or something like that. Um, yeah, that, that's that's going to be the key is if they can get because those big, the the bigger guns to cover it. Though, you know, they have a broadcasting branch, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, TNT. Uh, they they have the basketball show. Obviously, there's no basketball right now, but they do have. They are a a sports network in, yeah. in some instances. So, um, you know. So here's the other thing, and I and I think we probably are going to ask this question multiple times uh, during you know during during this pandemic era, which is with a crowd. Is it is it how much bigger is it, and how much more meaningful is it? I think. The crowd is, is is so much bigger for something like this, but it would have been the same thing for the revival coming in. It would have been the same thing for Brody Lee coming in, for Matt Hardy coming in, for um, Carrying Cross. Carrying Cross, exactly. That's the one that I that I was like, oh, I wish he would have debuted with a crowd because that would have been big. But you know that that's another thing is is you know we 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 are wishing maybe that that you could be patient but like with tyson he's on a schedule like this is the time that you needed to use him and and this was the time where where they were going to have him and be able to to get him going for all out and it's just unfortunate that it that it happened during the pandemic so um just uh the other the other part about that uh about the mike tyson thing do you 
if and and this is also what what our piece is going to be about Friday, but I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts. Is is there another combat sport uh, athlete who would have fit better? And I think the the only one that I can that I could think of that was it that would have been a slam dunk. And you're not getting him because he's very expensive. Is Conor McGregor? I was going to say only Conor McGregor would be the guy. Yeah. To really, I mean. You're talking about combat sports. I mean, that's that's the only guy I can I can I can think of. Even in the females, I'm trying to think any females that will. I don't think Amanda Nunes really mean as much to people as you know as like a Ronda Rousey does, of course. You know, mm-hmm. so um, I mean, there's other sports athletes in other sports. You know, like I'm sure Tom Brady came out and did something. You know, people. <laughs> no, I'm you know I'm, I'm serious, right? It's like a, you know, a guy like that. You know, that level um, would get some attention. But Jacksonville's quarterback. Uh, Gardner Minshew. Oh, yeah, yeah well, locally, <laughs> locally. But like, like I said, going back to the Tyson Austin thing, like it was on my local news, like oh, sports. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Absolutely. and this is not. So, it, I, I think it will mean something. Will it mean as much as Tyson did in uh, 90, was 98? No. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you 100%. And and I know I I think they know that too. They know that the that that that's not the game anymore. Yeah. And and I I think they're trying to step ladder their their buys, which I think is is really smart. If if they can, you know, I <clears throat> I, I don't know if Big Dave has actually uh, reported the the buys number yet, but it seems like they were a little bit up, which some of that uh, will have to do with a lot of people not being able to gather, you know, necessarily with, with friends and family. So you have to sort of buy it separately. You know, I would have watched it at uh, at at Big Dave's house, but because I couldn't, I bought it and watched it at my place. So that's you know that's two buys instead of one, and I, there, there's probably some of that. And the other thing is that what has hurt their buy rate in the past is that they've had, they, they've, you know, you're, you're running up against competition. You're running up against, you know, whatever it is, whatever sports are going on. I think um, that there was that, that celebrity boxing match the last time. And so they, they didn't, they didn't really have that this time. So I'm sure that helped too, but um, okay, cool. Let's, uh, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with the, uh, the rest of the stuff that we're going to talk about. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 7. You could bet on the UFC this weekend, and then there's UFC 250 uh, the following weekend. Uh, or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden bracket, ch- bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament. You can enter for free and live right now on BetOnline's YouTube channel. You'll find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls, Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. And John and I are going to talk about The Last Ride, which is The Undertaker's documentary, and I do have some comparisons to The Last Dance. Uh, Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all of the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. All right, so just a couple things before we get into the rest of the discussion. Uh, so we will have uh, we'll be back on on Monday with our we want flair segment, and uh, possibly it, it, it we'll see. Will it will it either be um, 
because I'm trying to figure out I'm trying to figure out our rhythm for our Monday show. Now, I would love to have all of the shows on Monday. Sometimes, though, because of a, a pay-per-view like last weekend, we, we did the show on Sunday morning, and, and Jason and I did the segment on Double or Nothing. Um, sometimes it's going to happen like that. So it's, it, it, depending on if there's something going on that we want to cover pretty quickly after the fact, it could be Sunday morning. But for instance, this weekend... Uh, it'll be it'll be Sunday night, Monday morning. We'll we'll have our our first show of the week. So, oh uh, yeah, so we'll have our We Want Flair segment uh, on that show, and we will finish off Flair Hogan from '94. All we have left is the Halloween Havoc cage match to talk about, which I will say, um, without really spoiling, and I'm not spoiling anything. Most everyone who's listened to this will have seen that match, but. God, they got the crowd in the in the palm of their hands during this match. It's 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 pretty amazing work by both guys, two masters. Uh, just having having this crowd go nuts. It was it, it was pretty fun to watch. Okay, so um, let's talk about the quickly. We'll talk about the last ride. I talked about the first two episodes with uh, BJ Cruz a couple weeks ago on this show. And uh, we kind of compared it because we're both big basketball fans. And, and BJ, he's a producer of a basketball podcast. He used to do some writing about basketball for Warriors World. So he knows his hoops. So we, we, we kind of did a nice comparison with uh, the Michael Jordan documentary and the Undertaker documentary. Now, there are major parallels to it in that when the Michael Jordan documentary, when a lot of the footage was, was recorded... It was because they kind of knew that this was going to be their last year together as like this championship level Bulls team. And so they were just like, oh, you know, we should just really record a lot of this stuff so that we can do something with it later. And in this Undertaker documentary, he similarly was like, hey, guys, this might be the end for me. So, you know, I know I haven't been okay with you recording me in the past, but now let's let's do it. I'm not sure how much I have left. And so, the, there, so there are nice little parallels to to both of those of those documentaries. Um, there was a, a podcast with uh, with Bill Simmons, uh, and he interviewed the Undertaker of all people. The Undertaker. It, it, it always reminds me of when uh, Mick Foley he had a joke, and he's like, you know, you know, we'll we'll, we'll be at the end of the world when uh, the Undertaker gets on Twitter. Like that was always his joke, but. You know, I think Mark Calloway sees that it's possible that that the end is near, and and so I need to do something outside of just the Undertaker if I want to have sort of a post wrestling career. Um, I I I I, uh, I was interested in in Simmons's portrayal or in Simmons's interview because he's. He is a uh, he is a wrestling fan. He's been a wrestling fan since he was a kid. You know, he always talks about the late seventies and and stuff with Backlund. So he's been around wrestling for a long time, and I thought he did a good job with it because he's not super hardcore, which probably helped that he's not super hardcore. He was able to, you know, get get uh, Undertaker to open up uh, on certain things, but at the same time, I think the Undertaker himself, uh, he's not the best at this stuff yet you can tell that he is still a little uncomfortable uh letting his hair down a little bit he is still protective of that character it's probably just because he's so used to doing it and i think that also comes across in this documentary now michelle mccool is an absolute star in this thing she comes across so well as the loving wife who's scared of her husband but also very proud of him and 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 supports him and what he's doing um but 
episode three featured a lot of old guys. Like it, it was surrounding his relationship with Shawn Michaels and Triple H and the matches that he did post WrestleMania 34. Overall, like your your thoughts on kind of the way like this episode to me was a little bit depressing because it was all like really not negative, but just stuff that reminds me like how old he is and how hurt he is. But overall, like what were your thoughts on this third episode when it came to, you know, portraying this guy who's been like WWE's absolute rock star for the last 20 years? Um, yeah, I think they're telling a really good story, um, building up, you know, these five episodes are like a wrestling match early. The first two episodes are very shine. It's all about some positive, you know, Undertaker has a surgery, he comes back, he's feeling good. He wish he went longer with Cena in a match at WrestleMania, but. And still- uh, in hindsight, that looks like a mistake, right? Because he looked like he was in really good shape mm-hmm. and Cena looked like he was ready to go. And they essentially made it into a three-minute squash match. Like it looks, seems like it was a really lost opportunity. But you can also see like Vince's idea too is like let's make this. Why don't you come out and be a killer again, right? If you go out and have a long match, you know, go out and there be just be a killer like the Undertaker, just the old Undertaker of old, destroying people. So I, I could see that. Like why it, 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 it doesn't sound like that was the at least the idea that Undertaker thought he was setting himself up for because he said he was like training for a really mm-hmm. long match. So maybe that was Vince's idea, but it doesn't seem like that was communicated necessarily as the story of of the whole thing. A lot of times it's not communicated until they show up. I'm sure maybe the Undertaker had an idea what was going to go on, but he's still a little disappointed. He'd probably get some more time. I mean, all the guys are disappointed in getting more time. I used to give guys like five-minute matches, six-minute matches. Now it would be like, I needed more. But sometimes, you know, you know, the booker knows best. And um, like I, I would have been fine with the longer match with Cena Undertaker. But I can also see Vince's side of it too. Like he wanted a killer Undertaker. And when episode three happened... It's now we're getting to like the heat, right? Now we're seeing vulnerable Mark Calloway. We're seeing the injuries uh, mounting up again, and and uh, disappointing how he how he went into certain matches and how certain matches came. And uh, you know, I thought that was I was really interesting because I knew this episode was going to feature the Saudi Arabia tag team match, which we you know was just a disaster and just kind of you know just fell off the rails so it was was sad like i i was frustrated when when it happened like i don't actually think i watched it like i i it was either on in the background or i saw some clips after but i just remember going like this was probably not the best decision but we understand the saudi arabia deal but watching it in in the, in the package that they that they did like you see Sean like he's knocked out or he's glazed on on missing that that uh, moonsault Triple H tears his bicep trying to hang on to the rope Kane's mask gets pulled off and it just looks like four guys going like if this was only 10 years ago we'd have torn the house down oh yeah and um it was like I said I'm, I was really curious cuz these are these are legendary figures um, in our in our in our business and how they deal with uh, a fart and it's you know a fart of a match and I really wanted to see the post match of it and and as I expected they were disappointed because they're they're professionals and 
but they're also like, they can also like understand like, you know what? Sometimes it doesn't go well. You just got to dust it off. So I appreciate that. No one's complaining. No one's bitching. No one was really moaning too loudly, but they're all just disappointed in their performance. Uh, but like, you know, like, like even Triple H said, like, what could go wrong? You have, you know, we can go out there and just do this and I could do some glow sticks and Undertaker do his roll his eyes. Oh, I'll be easy. Nothing's, you know, should be fine. It's just, you know, things went awry, you know, like, like, you know, Triple H does that uh, Harley race bump all the time. For some reason, it... I think he, what happened was I think someone was out of way. I think Sean, they don't, they don't show it, but Sean was like in the corner. I think he, I think he tried to adjust, you know, uh, Triple H adjust himself and catch himself a little bit more on that uh, hooking himself and towards by. So it just is, and it just fell off from there. You know, it just, it just fell apart from there. The, uh, the, the thing I'm having a problem with now, again, I'm comparing it to this Michael Jordan document, uh, mentry. The um, part of part of the difference here. Now I talked about the the uh, similarities. Part of the differences here is Michael Jordan when he retired, he didn't go play old timers games. Right? We we remember him at his peak, though he did come back late. You know, he came back as like a late thirties version of Michael Jordan. It wasn't the same. He did not embarrass himself. It absolutely wasn't the same. But the Roman Reigns match that The Undertaker keeps coming back to. Now, I'm not even saying this. This is his own words. He was flat out embarrassed by mm-hmm. that match. And so yeah. that is the thing that is almost like the catalyst for this whole documentary was the fact that he was not on his A game during that match. And he himself felt that he had to apologize to Roman because he thought he did such a bad job. So, we are seeing like we we have gone all of these years without seeing a human version of the undertaker and now we see a very human version of the undertaker a broken down version of the undertaker a very old version of the undertaker who has to um get stretched out before every match he's got to take cortisone shots uh just just to get in there and i wonder if after these years and years and years of portraying him one way, they just flipped the switch and were like, "Here, we're giving we're giving you the guy now." And I was just like, "Oh man, I don't know if I want to see this guy because I don't like seeing the legends, um, you know, outgrow what what the legend was. Like we've seen it with Hogan, right? And and this wasn't really necessarily WWE's doing; it was his own doing, and it was him getting caught up and stuff, but." You see the Hogan who gets caught um, being being a racist, essentially, um, and and he's very much exposed. And you in in the back of your mind, you're like, I want to remember him this way, but now forever there will be this small thing that I will always think of when I remember him as a wrestler. And so you know, I it's just it just it made me sad that the Undertaker character or Mark Calloway as the wrestler is not aging very gracefully very gracefully in this documentary and i'm feeling a little sad for him because of it i'm not sure if that's what i'm supposed to be feeling but that's what i'm feeling hmm yeah i i really think this is just a storyline basically let's you know i think he is coming to the end of his his run um they're building up to i don't know what match it's going to be maybe it's a rematch with roman 
maybe it's you know something like that you know but i so you think, think there's a light at the end of the tunnel here and they're setting yes. us up oh yeah for oh yeah uh, is it the is it the boneyard match though? Because we saw that match, and I was like, "Wow, like that's the that's a great way to to sort of end this thing." But you think there's even more? There's even more. I think this is, you know, we've seen Undertaker as this uh, superpower character. I think it's a way that to kind of humanize him and build up to one big last moment where you get both. You you remember the great times, and you also remember his struggles. Re- lately and now for this one trans triumphant last clash with whoever um i think they're building something i think this, it's, a, it's a work within a work man this is uh it's pro wrestling so i think this is definitely building to something maybe when they're getting this all together of course they didn't have they didn't expect you know the covid19 so maybe this is something for wrestlemania 2021 if if all goes well and we got people in the stands again and then and, and and uh you know Undertaker can have a, a moment in front of the fans. So I'm thinking this this is just setting up uh, some future business. So the other thing that it, that stands out as a clear difference, um, and this is there are very few wrestlers, I think, who would even look nearly as alpha as Michael Jordan. Maybe it's the rock. Maybe it's Austin, but even even at the end, Austin, you know, was not booked as as carefully as he was in the past, and probably part of the reason why he was so frustrated. Um, but Michael Jordan, he leaves because he has certain demands, and his the GM at the time, Jerry Krause, had a, had his own plan, and so rather than Michael shopping himself for another team in the 1999 uh, season, he's gone. And, and he kind of retires having won this last title. He comes back uh, a year later after that. But he is absolutely the alpha dog. And so when you look at The Undertaker, you think of he is the boss, right? He is the locker room leader. He is the guy who has the leverage very much like stone cold in the past. Like he is a boss in that locker room and I see him with Vince McMahon and I'm like, Oh no, 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 I have it wrong. Undertaker is not the boss. Vince McMahon is the boss. And I do wonder when they do stuff like that, again, it takes, it it sort of takes away. Like I, I know what I know and, and that's not what everybody watching these documentaries knows. And I do wonder if it takes away a little bit of this um, mystique of pro wrestlers when truly, you know, that he's conceding everything to Vince and Vince is really the Michael Jordan of the situation. I think that's an interesting thing. And I wonder, um, you know, I I should, I actually, I actually should talk to some more people who who've watched both documentaries and who follow both sports, but it just made me feel like, Oh, I thought Undertaker was the man, but oh, I remember now I'm remember Vince is the man. Undertaker is just, you know, he he's just his top worker in a sense. So that's another wouldn't, interesting thing. Wouldn't Vince be more with Jerry Krause? Cause Jordan what Jordan wanted something demands. He wanted this and that. And Jerry Krause is like, I'm going a different route with you. I don't, you know, we're gonna go a different direction. We're going younger. We're gonna it, it would, build it this would, thing back up. He would he would be uh, it would be a parallel if Michael Jordan was like you know what? I think I'm done. And Jerry Cross was like, but how about 
I'll 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 give you X Y and Z, and you can come back for like a half of a season." And Michael's like, "Nah, I'm I'm good." And he's like, "No, no, 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 please, please, please." And Michael's like, "Okay, I don't want to do it. I don't feel great, but I'm gonna do it anyways because I'm a I'm a great warrior for you." Like if it was like that, I think that would be a little bit more of a parallel. But I it's like because the the thing that I'm seeing a lot is Undertaker is feeling like he's almost done. But every time he comes back, it's like, oh, Vince called me and, you know, I owe it to him. And, and you know, he's the boss and he's paid me all this money. And, and then he goes, OK, I'm not I'm not feeling great. But you know what? For Vince, I'll do it. He's like a father figure. Like that's a little bit of a different thing from what is happening on on, on the Jordan documentary. And look, Jordan is a producer on the documentary, too. Right. So he has a say in how he looks at the end. If this was a different documentary, mm-hmm. the narrative could have been, well, you know, Jerry Krause forced Jordan to retire. Like who, who like Jordan's supposed to be at the peak of his powers. Why did he retire? So it is it is a narrative piece, but that's why I'm saying like WWE is controlling the narrative here. And what I'm constantly seeing is that the Undertaker, the Undertaker is the the lead stallion, but he is not like the, the, the mystique of him, it, it's really Vince. Vince is the one who, 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 who's the top dog here, which is which we all know about. But when it comes to wrestling, you know, you get behind the scenes, and I'm like, ah, I don't want to be reminded of that. I was, I want to see Undertaker as like the man, you know. But that, that, that I mean, it, it is, it is a creative uh, attempt, I think, by by WWE and their network to do something out of the box. So I appreciate that, and I appreciate some of the. Um, the honesty in it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have showed the undertaker as like someone who is losing his confidence, but we know that it happens. Ric Flair has been very honest in his, in saying that he lost his confidence several times. You're like, you're Ric Flair. How does that even happen? So mm-hmm. and to me, it makes sense. It's like, I have empathy for him in that moment. Cause I'm like, wow, like you're so good at what you do. Even the best get frustrated and lose their confidence. But there's just some other things where I'm like, oh, I don't want to see him like this. And it's kind of like I'm feeling really bad for him. And I don't know if that's the way that they want it to, but that's that's kind of like my reaction to some yeah. of it. I think I think they want you to kind of go back when whatever however they decide to end this and how he decides he wants to end this and and hopefully he's good to go to have a really great performance. And I think they want us to kind of think about not just, like I said, the supernatural Undertaker, but also this Undertaker, this humanized Undertaker in this documentary. And then we had that feel-good last moment with him. I think it that I think it all come together, and, and it will work. You, you know. Yeah. All right. So I, I was gonna uh, change topics and, and talk about the UFC because they are running Las Vegas this weekend, and there are a lot of changes to their plan as far as what mm-hmm. is expected out of them. I think what we'll do is we'll save that for Sunday because I, I will have some thoughts on the on their show this weekend. We'll save it for uh, Monday Monday's episode. We'll talk about that a little bit just because uh, I want I want to have enough time for us to talk about what is kind of like my main thing, which is I'm very interested in your thoughts on how you would grade. AEW for their first year. Now, the uh, their first official pay-per-view was Double or Nothing uh, last year. So we are now a full year of them running shows. And so I thought it'd be interesting to look at how uh, how, how that year has, has been in your eyes. 
I have some thoughts and, and I'll give my positives and negatives and we can talk about those. Uh, but I, I want to hear your thoughts. The, only, the other thing is I put this to a, a poll in our group and it was very positive as far as how uh, they graded AEW. I, I graded, just just so you know, I graded them a B. I thought, yeah. you know, I thought I think a B is really fair, but um, the majority of the people, so out of the... Um, I think we got 24, we got about 37 votes and uh, 24 of them were A's and 12 of them were B's. There was one C. And so I was just like, wow, like there, there are people who are very happy with the product currently. Um, and these are not like AEW apologist fans, right? They're not, they're not rooting for necessarily for WWE to fail. They were raised on WWE. So it's very interesting for me to see these, uh, these scores, because I know that these people, they, they love new Japan wrestling. They, they, they love good WWE. Uh, They were fans of certain matches at WrestleMania that you and I like. So this is a, this is a pretty interesting crowd to, to talk about, but they're also, you know, they're also pretty happy with AEW. So how, how would you grade it overall on a A through F scale? Oh, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I give them a solid B too as well. I mean, you, you know, you have to give them tip the cap, man. They, they got this thing going. They got a TV deal that's going to keep them in business for a while. Um, they're doing good ratings. Um, we just talked about it, you know, earlier. The buy rate is up for this pay-per-view and it's, you know, they've done well on pay-per-view. So I think they've been doing good. To make it an A-plus for me would have been quality of the, of the wrestling you know, which I have not been happy with lately. Um, and I, I would like to see them tighten up their, their wrestling and, and put a little more logic into what they're doing. And I'll kind of scale. I mean, I'm okay with Gaga. Like I'm really okay with it. I like, I like funny. Like I thought like this week's on this week's episode, I, I got a really good chuckle out of the, uh, the t-shirt uh, <laughs> spot. Um, because I, I th- that's funny. Like, you know, like, like a sports team, they would, you know, you, you know, the Giants, you didn't yeah. want to, you know, what are we going to do with these shirts? You know, they usually, probably, I don't know what they do, but you get the homeless or something, I don't know what they do with it, but like, you know, and it's, 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 it's really good gag. I really enjoy stuff like that. But like, yeah, bull- it's, it's like, you see this for the Super Bowl, the, the bull, the Bills lost four Super Bowls in a row and every mm-hmm. year they had to print out yeah. t-shirts that said bull, uh, Bills Super Bowl champions and then what do they do with these these t-shirts? And they gave them to you know third world countries or something, yeah. and then, so that was what the what the play was on. So no, so uh, let, let's go through s- some positives and negatives or, or or pros and cons. I think the biggest pro at that 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 you can say is that they did such a good job with the TV ratings as far as delivering what TNT wanted that they got their original contract torn up mm-hmm. and made more money on on the deal and you know i think if i think they're they could have had more leverage if they did not sign that deal but in hindsight because they did sign that mm-hmm. deal in this pandemic it's really like a brilliant move that 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 they did and tnt as well yeah. um to to resign them and so that a lot of that has to do with the consistency 
in their ratings and hitting those demos. Um, and the other thing is is that they beat NXT, and you know the NXT was put up against them to uh, to really sort of hinder their uh, you know they they didn't Vince didn't want them to go unopposed. It's like look you 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 want to compete like we're gonna compete and and I'm I'm gonna you know I'm gonna show you how we compete here. It's gonna be you know a hundred percent up against you guys. We're not gonna concede anything, and NXT is the third brand. But they were there to to impede the progress of of AEW, and AEW has done a good job. You know they they've consistently beat NXT in the ratings. The uh, NXT uh, has had some really good weeks, but a lot of that was was with crossover from their bigger stars from Raw and SmackDown. But those two things. Um, I think I think are really really positive for them. Now, and the other thing you mentioned was was the pay per view stuff. They're a very consistent number for pay per view buys. Um, you know, even uh, this this show, this last show, I thought on paper was actually kind of weak, and and I was surprised to see how how well, at least rumored, how well they did uh, for that. And I think the the the, the other thing I think if, if we're going to talk about pros, um, lots of fan service, right? They understand their audience at least what they believe their audience is currently. Now, some of that is they have a, they had, you know, a lot of the indie style, the indie fans are really behind them because a lot of the indie fans in general are, are a little tired with, with WWE in general. You know, they're, they're not, they're not your, your most loyal WWE fans. They're going to watch good wrestling, but they're, they, they sort of feel like, you know, maybe we're a little bit, maybe we want to be a little bit against the grain here. And so AEW utilized that. And I think they've served those fans well, um, who want to see these like young upstarts, the 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 um, the folks who who other you know who WWE would have counted out, would have never would have never signed for X, Y, and Z. Uh, you know, Joey Janela was able to do things on his own in his own brand. These are the guys that that we want to see. And look, I, I, I'm not a fan of Joey Janela. But he did do really good things with Game Changer Wrestling. Like whether or not I enjoy that style, like it, it, it did, it, it did. He was a draw for that for that fan, just as as much as as anybody was uh, out there that wasn't attached to WWE. So I think all those things are positives. Now, when we talk about the negatives, like what you said, is match quality. The style is very much more of an indie style and a lucha libre style. And not and 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 I think the thing that I thought we would see more of is more of a New Japan strong style, and we get glimpses of it here and there. You have Moxley; he he he's the champion. He 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 wrestles in more of that of a style. But if you were thinking that this was going to be, um, you know, more New Japan, you, you were absolutely wrong because that is that is not what it is. It it is it is way more of an indie lucha libre style. And if you're not a fan of that, then I can totally see how uh, maybe you're not super into uh, into the matches. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of my issues AEW has been I when AEW started, I was excited what they were talking about. They're talking about sports based wrestling and the uh, the records and all this stuff. And I don't get any of that when I watch the product. I just get frustration. I, like I said, I got Gaga. Like I, I got Gaga this whole two hour episode this past Wednesday. The pay per view I thought was really poorly done, um, and it's been really frustrating to watch for me personally. Um, a lot of little things, a lot of mistakes that they make, 
And I don't know if, because I know Tony Khan wanted to do sports-based wrestling, or unless it was a rib and they don't want to do sports-based wrestling. Maybe that was just a rib, but... So that's, that's actually what I have on my list of cons, which is, not Tony cons, a list of cons, mm-hmm. negatives. Yeah. They didn't define what sports presentation meant. They said they wanted to do sports presentation, and we were left to wonder what that meant. Now, I think if we look at the the full year overall, what that means is they do have records that influence the booking, sort of like the UFC rankings would influence the matchmaking. It's not the end-all, be-all. It's not a, a computer making these matches. The other thing that it means, though, is that they do a lot of video packages. They do a lot of um, rivalry-based video packages. They do a lot of, uh, you mentioned the the swagger ones from uh, uh, over a month ago before his match with Moxley. Uh, so they do a lot of that, and they do promos that are not super robotic. Sometimes, uh, just to the 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 uh, fault uh, uh, of it and sometimes it is to the benefit and and so i look at what they what they now meant was that was those things and less the in ring the in ring is still um i i was talking to uh antonio the promise thomas today and um we were we were i was saying that if you could sort of blend the NXT wrestling style with the AEW sort of fun presentation. Like I would have like my favorite US promotion because I like bits and pieces of both of those companies or both of those brands a, a whole lot. And, and just if the, if the wrestling style leaned more to what we saw on NXT uh, la- uh, last night with you know the Riddle and Thatcher kind of kind of style like I'd just be like oh wow this would be like my favorite thing but obviously what I like isn't necessarily what everyone's gonna like and what the indie fans like and what the lucha fans like like my my style is very specific so I get it like they they they're gonna book some stuff to where I'm gonna dig it. And then they're going to book other stuff to their other parts of their fan base, which is even you know the 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 average fan is 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 younger than me, which is it's it's mind boggling to me because I'm so used to being sort of right with the curve with WWE. Sort of as I get older, like that's the new average age. But it, the, this is a younger product than than my age, so I'm not going to be a hundred percent satisfied with 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 what they decide to do. They're booking for their audience, so. I, I do I do agree with you. Like the the style you you do have to really suspend disbelief sometimes when you watch these matches. And I think for an older group of fans like us, like we're like, oh, like why does this happen? The other thing that I that I sort of compare this to though is like when you when you watch movies, um, I was watching, you know, Dewan and I are recording um the Rocky podcast. Uh, so we, we still want to get a couple more in the can and then and then we'll start putting those out uh, on the same feed. But the uh, some of the fight scenes in Rocky, very sports based. They are simulating boxing, but there is a Hollywood mm-hmm, aspect to the amount of punishment that the Sylvester Stallone, the Rocky Balboa character takes. And so you you watch that movie and you go, oh, like they're like 
there's a disbelief that you have to suspend. And so when I watch that movie, I go, oh yeah, like this is sort of similar to what I'm thinking when I'm watching some of these AEW matches. Yeah, yeah. So I, like I said, to me, if they would just tighten up their ship when it comes to the to the matches, I think they would have a really, really, really great show. It's just, um, like I said, they, we'll talk about the episode, but they, they, like I said, they make a lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes, which I'm shocked they make. They have a lot of smart people there, and I don't know what the agents are doing. Are they at catering? Um, you know, I don't know because... Ah oh, man, it was really frustrating watching this this week's episode and the pay per view too. It was a, a really frustrating show as well for me. See now, when Jason and I did our show, I said when I was watching the pay per view, I was at about a thumbs in the middle until the main event, and then I I really enjoyed the main event for what it was, um, and then it was a thumbs up show for me. But I knew you would not like that match because well, you know what I didn't hate it overall. There was I got frustrated at points. Like at point, some points, they were like, they looked like they they were fighting each other. Mm-hmm. But then it, then all of a sudden it just went gaga for way too long, and then the match went off the rails. And then, I mean, early on it, it started stupid. Like the stuff in the ring, guys are doing spots in the ring, which is fine, but guys are hitting double team moves while their partner is just watching it, and then they go in and break it up. Like, why would you wait to see another team do double team move on you while you're just sitting out there? Because they're just waiting to do their spots. And I was like, oh, so frustrated. But then I started getting to somewhat of a fight, which I was okay with. And like I said, then it got gaga. The whole Matt Hardy stuff is just so, just turns me off. That was so bad. But, uh, but, th- but you understand that there's such a large segment of their fan base that that was their favorite part of the show. I know. I guess they like bad rest, bad crap. You know, that's the only thing I can see. I guess there's a lot of people. Like I, I literally, literally, almost said, "What am I watching this stuff for? Why do I waste my time watching pro wrestling to this day?" Like, I mean, I can probably be okay with just going back and watching just old stuff. I felt like the night 2001 WCW fan. Right, the old fan that kind of hanging on WCW, but then when they got bought by WWE, they're like, "I'm out." And not going back. Like I, I'll, I'll, I'll watch stuff on YouTube and and reminisce about great good old times. But like, I don't know. I was just really upset with that pay per view. And, and it's not just a, a stadium stampede match. It was like the whole show was just laid out poorly. Every match felt the same. I mean, there was like forty five dive outs. There was each match was a big wild brawl. You had the girls going through tables, followed by Moxley and Lee going through tables. So what means as much? Just, just frustrating as hell. Like they, they need some kind of an, they need some kind of an editor. They need some kind of a, a guy who's gonna work with Tony Khan because he doesn't know. He's booking and it's his right because it's his money. But he needs someone that he can really bounce off ideas. Like, hey, is this correct? Is this what I'm doing? Should I do it this way? What, what, what's the best way to go by this? Because the other guys are just either, either he's, he could be fall into that trap where the promoter becomes one of the wants to be one of the boys and is okay with people doing whatever and, and it forgets to you know he is the boss and should put stop stops some of this craziness or he just doesn't know and they're getting by with stuff you know or maybe he just this is what he wants you know maybe he maybe he wanted you know like, like you know, we always heard like before this started you, you know you and i heard this you know you know i want to do mid-south wrestling you know and I've been watching a lot of Mid-South Wrestling lately, and let me tell you, it looks nothing like, AEW looks nothing like Mid-South Wrestling. So, um, it, it, 
I like I said, I think if he gets that guy or girl that could, you know, be add some logic to his ideas and make sure like you don't, you know, maybe you shouldn't have, you know, two matches that go outside the ring and through tables. Let's just split it up. Like just kind of help him out with that because he's never booked before, you know, like, and it's, and it takes a while to learn this stuff. And, but he, you know, he's learning on national TV. So I would think he would benefit him getting a, a mind to help him, a wrestling mind to help him guide and train him. Okay, put yourself in Tony Khan's shoes. You started this promotion. Uh, most of the guys you were interested in decided to come on this ride with you. Uh, CM Punk and and some other guys uh, didn't didn't. But basically, you you began this promotion. Uh, you're you're, uh, you're you're doing lots of sellouts. You are on TV and you do double the uh, the demo that I think was expected early on. Your TV network tells you that you're doing great and they want to pay you more money. Your pay-per-view buy rates are uh, higher than you assumed that they would be. And so what is there to change if you are him from the perspective of it looks like we're giving our fans what they want to see and we are actually outperforming our original projections so for him it, you know what, what what rather than continue continuing to give uh you know the fans what they've been giving them what would why why would he decide to to change what he's doing because eventually people are going to see through this crap and 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 leave like he's 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 catering to his fans right his fan base but let's let's get the other fans let's get the other fans that left let's get those people let's get the person that's going to tune in and be like oh man cool man this is some good wrestling but who's this guy with his pants in his pockets why is this goofy thing happening why is this oh it's just goofy wrestling again like get something that they're going to sink their teeth into um edit your shit like don't let these guys do these piss poor matches with they don't there's no rules are made there's it was just a mess it's been a mess and i don't don't know if you see it but i see it and i would just like like tighten up your stuff it would be a perfect like you said a perfect blend of the fun and the good wrestling just if you just tighten that stuff up the idea that there is this uh crossover wrestling fan or this casual wrestling fan the I, I don't necessarily know that the that the numbers are out there that that show that this person is here. Like if you look at WWE's audience over the last ten years, you're going to see basically losing fans, at least from a TV audience, every year. Like there's just a, there's just a number of fans that stop watching. So I wonder if to them, not dropping fans is a positive. And and it's almost like you know uh, who was it that said it? Uh, I don't like to give him uh, a lot of a lot of uh, credit. Uh, Disco, I think it was Disco, because I think a lot of times he he sounds like a mm-hmm. dumb like a dumb idiot. But he made a smart point several years ago where he was saying how you know WWE's uh, fan base is more than ever the internet fan base that they used to not listen to because it was a minority, but that's become the majority is like this internet hardcore wrestling fan Mm -hmm. has kind of become their majority. And I wonder if Tony Khan saw that and was like, okay, 
let's market to these people because at least they're going to be consistent. Because if we try to cater to this invisible, casual fan base, we may turn off the people who are enjoying us. But if we cater to those million people, 800,000 people, whoever, how many ever watched this show, then we won't lose them. I wonder if that is the strategy. Because like I said, WWE has been just dropping you know, thousands and thousands of fans as far as a TV rating is concerned every single year. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think they should. there's more out there. I think they leave. They turn off some people. I think they can get those old fans. I think there is that old fan out there. There has to be, because where'd they go? <laughs> where'd they go and why have they came back? Because it just got, like, WD got silly, you know, during the Attitude Era. Cornette, man. On. It's, it's, it's Cornette, right? I mean, it's, I know. Cool. He, he He's absolutely the hardest hardcore wrestling fan that there's ever been who does not get today's product in any way. But he's also right. If you really listen to what he's talking about when he talks about the matches and talks about why they're bad and what they're doing wrong, like he's giving like free lessons that, you know, people should pay big money to in here. Like, you know, like when I mean, he would be a good guy to help out, but I, you know, he knew, you know, early on that what was going to be and he decided not to be in part. Of it. We'll, we'll move off at this point, but I guess my sort of the, the thing that I just want to kind of put the period on, and I don't know if this is correct, but if Jim Cornette, if his advice is what works, then it should be very easy to go, Hey, Jim knows what's going on. Let's, let's, uh, you know, let, let, let's do what he says. But WWE and AEW have decided that this is not kind of the the, the way that, that 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 it works. Now, I think if I were to guess, I'm I would guess that if there is one brand that Cornette probably enjoys the most is it's probably NXT because they 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 are a pretty logical uh, brand of wrestling. But you know, again, like it's not like you know Jim has worked for. WWE. He has worked for TNA. He has worked for ROH. He had Smoky Mountain. He's worked for Crockett. He has a lot of experience, but it's not like every time Jim has had the book that popularity of wrestling goes up and to the right. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's more than just logic, I guess is what I'm saying. It is also these other things, these variables that Jim will never see because he just doesn't believe in it. But someone like Tony Khan, who's a little bit uh, newer and not really embedded into old time wrestling thought process. He's like, okay, like maybe we do something different and we can get these other fans who are not even wrestling fans. Like, why are we chasing an older wrestling fan who hates wrestling now? Why are there not other fans who we can actually pick up? Like, I think it's an interesting, an interesting debate. I would actually love to hear Cornette debate this with somebody from the AEW side, but I, you know, you know, that's never going to mm-hmm, happen. Mm-hmm. Or just new fans that maybe are not wrestling fans that are going to tune in. Like maybe they, maybe they will find Orange Cassidy entertaining. I, you know, maybe they will. I don't I know. I mean, I but. think that's his bet, right? That's Khan's bet, which is if there is a fan that, that we can grab, it is probably someone who enjoys the acrobatics and the lucha aspects of things rather than, Oh, like it's this UFC fan who understands what real fighting is about and looks at wrestling and goes, well, that stuff is fake. Like that's the fan that that we've always known that is super casual, like 
yeah, if Brock's on, maybe they'll check it out. But if not, like he, like they're out. Like that, that fan seems like it would be hard to turn. Um, mm-hmm. Who is who? Who is looking for that kind of thing? Like if you're looking for what Jim Cornette really enjoys, I watch UFC and I go, well, I can get that from UFC, right? Like this is the 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 way that those fights happen are generally what Jim wants to 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 see in pro wrestling like he's even made that comment he 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 said in the past now we're going back uh probably 10 years but he said you know the best wrestling the best pro wrestling is actually in the ufc yeah yeah well jerry Jarrett said that but um um you know maybe this is it's not pro wrestling anymore <laughs> it could be that too you know it yeah. could be, it could be wrestling is bye-bye this is just this is sports entertainment and you either gotta continue watching it or maybe not like i like i'm st- I got, it's a struggle for me right now it's a struggle for me with aew like god why, why maybe i shouldn't Look, watch it I mean, so you, you, you know me like i'm not watching as intently as as i have you should because you realize how bad it is well <laughs> it's, it's, that, that's part of it right is, is is not that i find it to be bad it's i just don't find it to be very important and when I enjoy wrestling, it's because I find it to be really important and I need to watch it so that I don't miss anything. And, you know, even, you know, pre-pandemic, I was trying. I was watching Raw. I was watching NXT. I was watching AEW. I was watching all three intently. And I think I was okay. I was I, I was sort of happy with it. But once the pandemic hit, I was like, none of this stuff is really important to me right now. So it's a little harder. But anyways... We will hopefully get past this time period. It might take us a long time, but we'll get past oh, yeah. it and things will change. And And my viewpoints will probably change as well. But um, I, we went a little bit longer on this than, than I wanted to, <laughs> but I thought it was, I thought it was a really relevant conversation. And I thought, I thought, you know, from the perspective of people who listen to us and enjoy us, I thought it was a really smart conversation to have because I was... And there's another conversation I want to have with you next week, which is kind of like, you know, what what pieces of each company do you enjoy to kind of create, you know, I, I, the, the perfect company to me is New Japan. But in the U.S., I wish there was like a New Japan of the U.S. And we'll talk about this m- maybe next week where, you know, what what could we pick from each company to get sort of what would be the, the, the best, the best of the best. But um mm-hmm. All right, so let's let's talk about the NXT show. Um, I I liked the show a lot, though. I, I wouldn't say it was like the best NXT show. There were some interesting things, interesting decisions that happened on this show that I was mm-hmm. kind of like, mm, I'm not exactly sure why that happened. But overall, with the main event, I mean, I don't know if you how you can't be happy with that main event. Yeah. In, in the pit or this new this new match that that they put together sort of last minute because as far as I knew up until earlier in the week it was just going to be a cage match and then all of a sudden it was going to be this this pit match with this new design of of a cage of I I can't even remember what that um that old lion's den match even looked like but I don't I don't know if the cage was similar or not but that 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 was a very good match and that's the kind of wrestling that I really enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't like the first hour of NXT, but I liked the second hour um, um, a lot because of the main event. Um, I also liked the women's tag match. Right, right when the women's tag match happened, that's when it kind of turned the show turned for me. Okay, can I ask and, you a question about that tag match? Yeah, sure. The way that that match was set up, 
my entire thought process is, okay, Chelsea's in this match so that she can get pinned and so that the three other three women, you know, no one has to take the fall and they all look good and they all do their stuff. And then they set up the spot where Chelsea takes the shot for Charlotte. I was like, oh, great. They're going to be a twosome. Chelsea's going to be like Charlotte's, you know, princess to her queen. Mm-hmm. And and Chelsea's going to get some great exposure and and some great reps with really good wrestlers in these tag matches. And then Charlotte won the match. I was like, wait, I, I missed something. Like, I thought it was zigging and it like zagged the other way in the finish of, of what happened. Well, that's a good pro wrestling right there, right? Like you automatically think, oh, she's going to be the one that's going to lose. You know, she's the the odd woman out of this this upcoming championship match, right? So yeah, I thought it was good. I, I liked the I liked the women's tag match. I thought it was really well done. Chelsea, uh, she has her moments, and she also has her bad moments. And in this match, there was some there was some moments that she had um, that were kind of kind of questionable like there's that the moment where it was it was funny to me i had to rewind it a couple times and my wife was katrina was like why do you keep rewinding that and and i'm I'm just laughing because it's the spot where uh you know she's holding eo in the corner and and charlotte goes to chop eo and eo ducks and she chops chelsea chelsea takes takes a bump well the chelsea goes all the way down to the apron and lays there she's supposed to take a just bump down and be back up. So when EO drop kicks Charlotte, Charlotte goes right back into right back into Chelsea. Yeah. And then Chelsea bumps out. But Chelsea's already bumping down. So Charlotte <laughs> came down. And she kind of like, oh shit. You know, it was it, it's something I mean, a lot of people won't even notice it, but like to me, I just, I, I noticed that kind of stuff and it just I just get a giggle out of it because that's something like in the back we'd be like either be laughing at or some people be pissed about. You know, one of those things. So I got a kick out of that, but other than that, I mean, I thought the I, I thought the match was good. I thought Io looked really good. Um, I thought Rhea looked fantastic. Rhea's she's freaking awesome. She's dude. great, but she lost a ton since December. They, they're I, I hope they heat her back up because she was amazing when when, yeah. she, when but but she feels she feels so cold right. Well, now I think compared to where she was. If you talk about people that are affected by the pandemic, you know, you definitely got to you know her. You know, her momentum was affected by it for sure. You know, right? Big WrestleMania in a stadium moment, you know, oh, yeah. with oh, yeah. with Charlotte. Um, even if she even loses that match, that match was so good. I mean, it was so good with no fans. Like, how could, you know, imagine the, the reaction would have been with the fans there. So, I think she would have had a breakout performance on that show. And, and I think, you know, but unfortunately, it, just, you know. Just, and for and for us, we, we have always bought Charlotte stock and... In in the empty arena time frame, she is one of the the best wrestlers right now. Yeah, she's to have great. matches in these empty arenas. Yeah, she's great. And Io was on fire. You look good. So I'm actually looking really forward to that. I'm not a big three way uh, match person, and but I'm looking forward to that that match at Takeover. So the other match that I was left a little scratching my head was <laughs> the three way with oh, the funky pin. Where and, and just the psychology of the Drake Maverick stuff, um, I I get the underdog story. Like he's a very likable guy, but a lot of this comes across as super uh, super fake. Uh, reactions aren't aren't normal in, in real competition. Like Kushida would not be so happy that that Drake is is you know like like it it just does it doesn't feel organic or real. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then the way that the, the way that they had Drake win the pinfall, oh, it didn't it didn't really make uh, any sense whatsoever. It was very f- like I, I was I'm, I'm trying I was like trying to think I was like okay, what were they actually trying to do? Because it feels like they just changed the rules around for this one match to get to the yeah match. yeah yeah. I think someone whoever it was. Fox, they got but really explain explain the finish and then talk about what you well the finish is simple uh Kushida got the arm bar on Jake Atlas and the cross arm bar on Jake Atlas but Drake Maverick jumped on Jake Atlas as well when the referee counted pin and declared Drake Maverick the winner but what was driving me freaking nuts was that Kushida's legs oh, were yeah. over Jake Atlas's shoulders so I'm like when they when the pin happened I thought oh man Drake didn't do it you know like I don't, or something like that, but or he, or he, and I, just I think someone got a little too creative, and they just didn't think it all the way through. It just didn't work, and it didn't work at all. I really think they should have came up with a better way for Drake to get that win. He should not have beat Kishida, but he could definitely beat Jake Atlas in that match. Yeah. Um, like I, I've been, and I was thinking about this match since it aired because I was like, what would I do? What would I do? How can I take him out? And the only thing I can kind of come up with is, you know, Kishida being dominant in the beginning on both men goes for something very high risk. Maybe his, uh, 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 somersault dive out. He does off the top rope, the floor crashes down, hits it, but crashes down, but then tweaks his back. It hurts his back and it's taken out of the match. So now you don't have to pin Kishida because he's out. He's hurt. So now it's, now it's comes. you come down, you go back from a commercial break. You explain the doctors are checking on Kushida. They took him to the back for medical attention. And now it's just down to Drake Maverick and Jake Atlas and Drake Maverick beats Jake Atlas. Right. And goes to the finals. I just, I just think what they came up with was just, was a big mess and really frustrating. Because I'm into this Drake Maverick story. I think it's, it's been, it's been really well. I think it's been really well done to the execution of this match. And the whole match for me was not working for me. The first part felt very rushed. They're rushing. Um, it felt like you can see them choreographing their stuff. Um, <laughs> Jake Atlas, he had a beautiful moonsault to the floor, but Kushida had to sit there with his thumb up his ass for like 10 seconds <laughs> waiting for him to do it. It just, you know, like, it it, it, it was a mess. Like it did, like I said, this first hour for me didn't get, didn't go off to a, 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 a great start for NXT. So we will have a, a, a preview of the TakeOver show uh, in on uh, next Thursday's or next Friday's show. So we'll, we'll talk more about that show. Um I do want to ask you, though, about the Jungle Boy Battle Royal oh. victory, which, yeah. um, like, when when I saw the guys in the Battle Royal, I was like, this is the jobber Battle Royal. Like, why is Jungle Boy and MJF and Luchasaurus in this match? Like, what, what, like, those three guys sort of stood out, you know, as far as, like, why are they in this match? The Legends um, Battle Royal WrestleMania was uh, more competitive than than, than this match, right? And, and and so after watching it, it's like okay, they 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 are going to continue to to book Orange Cassidy strong. He's going to be you know the lucky loser, but he's going to have his spots where the fans think he actually has a chance to win. And at some point, one time, he's going to win, you know, and 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 fulfill that. I. I'm glad Jungle Boy won the Jobber Battle Royal, but I don't know if I would have had him actually get the title shot with Cody because he's going to lose again, mm-hmm. and I don't think he needs to lose again. I, I was totally fine with him losing to MJF because MJF is the one who they are, you know, putting the rocket ship on. Totally fine. 
but I do think that there is some risk in having him look like the almost but won't guy. Like I do have a problem with that. There's a way to do it successfully, and but here's the problem. And it, it, the the problem with this booking of him winning this battle royal and getting title shot, it starts with the pay per view. Because if this is your destination for Jungle Boy to win this battle royal, be the first guy that gets a title shot against Cody, why are you having Jungle Boy lose on the pay per view? Mm-hmm. You could have put anyone else in that match with MJF. You could put anybody MJF else, beat. but it wouldn't have been as good. Probably, yeah, because they they don't have that strong enough roster. But but like but well, but if you're going to have Jungle Boy in this position for this upcoming title match, you would want him to have some momentum. So he loses the pay per view, but now he lucks into this battle royal win of guys. There's only like what two or three other guys that had some somewhat of credibility in there with him. So like you know, it, it wasn't well done. The whole match wasn't well done. First of all. Another another uh, mistake by Tony Khan, uh, you know, like he, you know, there's an angle earlier or a, a promo earlier with the inner circle, right? Orange Cassie comes, what they say, slothing through, right? And uh, Jericho's offended by uh, uh, Orange Cassie coming through and interrupting their promo, so he vows revenge that you know they're going to take it to Orange Cassie. So Orange Cassie comes out for this battle royal, and he's attacked by Santana Ortiz, right? Laid out with the what do you call it? The balls, whatever it is, right? He's beat up. He's destroyed. But then he comes back at the end. And he's in the, the final two with Jungle Boy. So that whole thing that you did, the, the interview interrupting, the consequences from that, the beat down, all meant nothing. Why do we even waste our damn time with it if it's going to be nothing? That's the stuff where he needs someone. They say, hey... If you're going to beat this guy up, he should not be in this. He should not be in the match or he should be taken out of the match or he definitely should not be in the finals of the match. Um, now, imagine if NGF beat someone else. You know, maybe like NGF beat Christopher Daniels on the pay-per-view. Someone of credibility. Maybe maybe NGF's been beating these jobber guys for weeks and now he's like, I want to take it. I want to prove to you I'm the best. I want to prove it. I'm going to beat a guy who's been in this business for X amount of years, a top veteran, most respectful guys, and I'm going to beat him and I'm going to beat him quickly at the pay-per-view. I'm not going to give you your damn great match. I'm not here for great matches. I'm here to win and make money. And he beats, and I know... I know AEW, everything has to be a great match, but sometimes you need a match that's going to be a statement. Imagine if MJF on that pay-per-view just beat Chris or Daniels like in five minutes or less, right? Just be dominant and just, what a prick, man. What an asshole. Maybe he cheats and he still cheats to win. What an asshole, right? And now he's in his battle royal with Jungle Boy. And then Jungle Boy eliminates MJF at the end of this. Now, Jungle Boy doesn't pin MJF, right? He doesn't pin him. So MJF doesn't lose anything by being eliminated over the top rope, right? But it helps Jungle Boy out and gives Jungle Boy this great momentum into his match with Cody. That's what they should have done. Something like that. And just the Battle Royale alone, like, I've never seen a Battle royal. Well, I've seen many, actually, because I've, you know, on the indies, you know, I've, I've seen it. But, like, I've never seen this on a, on a national televised Battle royal where these guys had no clue how to work a Battle royal. They were looking around at each other. They were doing just, just, they didn't know what they're doing. Like, no one was doing anything. They were literally just standing around waiting for 
guys do their little spots. It was a, such a frust- frustrating match. I mean, Billy Gunn being surprised that he's in it. <laughs> That's the Gaga I'm just tired of it, man. I'm just tired of that kind of Gaga. Like, it would have been cooler if they just hit his music and out came Billy Gunn and be like, hey, I'm nice to see Billy Gunn actually wrestling here. You know, I would, that would have been cool. Like, why Gaga it? It's just they can't help themselves. Well, I, I also think it's just the sense of humor of of the guys who are in charge. Like, Kenny Omega doesn't have the, you know, witty, uh, dry sense of humor. He's got a really goofy mm-hmm. Japanese sense of humor, a Japanese style sense of humor. Uh, and, and so, like, I, I do think that that part of their personalities is going to play into the style of the writing on the TV show. Yeah, and then... And then Jungle Boy wins it, right? He he wins it, and he looks at the ref and goes, "Did I win? Oh my god, did I really win? Like, <laughs> come on, bro!" I was wondering about that too. I was Dude, wondering I was, what he was. I like he knows that his feet did not touch. Yes. So what was he expect? Like, did he think like maybe I touch? Maybe my feet touch? I don't know. Like, dude, you're not tall enough. Oh my god! I eliminated the guy that hasn't won a match yet in the promotion. Like, oh dude, what big? Like, imagine he threw out Wardlow and been a little shocked. Like he pulled that off somehow. But like, dude, come on, man. This is the direction. Like, dude, when you win this, man, be excited. Be like, holy shit! Like maybe like just 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 crumble in exhaustion. And then, like, when you realize you won this thing, just fire up and, like, look at the people and just, ah, right? Or something. Like, like, like going like, oh, I can't believe it. Like, come on, dude. Come on. Think out there. Think out there. Oh, bro. I was, I wanted to go there and smack them. I was so mad. I was like, come on. I know you're, you, you have to be smarter than this. You have to be smarter than this, right? And, like, you just, just you being shocked by winning this like that made me less interested in your match with Cody. So I don't know. I just, and, and, and back to jungle boy, like losing too much. He can lose for a while and be competitive, but the, here's a key. And I said this before, they have him in this tag team match, right? With Luchasaurus. They need to put some, after this match with Cody and he loses and it'll be, and it'll be good. They're going to have a really competitive match. It's going to be good. Uh, I'm, I'm not looking for it. I'm really, I, I am still looking forward to that. Cause I like, you know, I like, I like both both men but after this now you got to focus on loot on the jurassic express and focus on them winning the championship focus on you know jungle boy needs to be the one that wins the title like actually be the guy that gets the pin for the championship sometime down the line maybe sometime later this year uh, maybe he loses the belts he's the one to get pinned and maybe luchasaurus turns on him and then they have a feud and then he beats and then he beats luchasaurus you know, that's how you heat this kid up. That's how you do it. It's a, it's a longer story now. I know he people say he needs some wins or he's losing too much. I don't think so. I think he's fine to lose a couple still at this point. But like I said, after this with Cody, this should be his last loss. And it should be focused on winning the tag team championship, building the team up, the brand up, and then eventually get him out of this. You know, Jim Ross has a calls him, you know, Jungle Boy Jack Perry for a reason mm-hmm. because Jungle Boy is a mid-card name. Very limiting. Very limiting. I mean, we said this from day one yeah. when he started doing yeah. that. People were so mad. We're like, no. He sees him as a possible main eventer yes. in two or three exactly. years. And he needs a eventually, it's cute now because, you know, you didn't want to, you know, live off your dad's fame. You want to do your own. That's, that's great. A great story. But now you're getting some real momentum behind you. You're getting really, you know, there's future, 
your future main event guy we could build around. It's time to slowly drop this. And I like I said, I would like to see him break away from Luchasaurus, break away from Marco Stunt. I just think they kind of bring him to the mid card level. Once he gets out of there, he'll be, you know, he'll be main event. And let him do his promos and let him talk more and get over and don't be so goofy. Don't be so goofy on a show of all goofiness, right? Like let's 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 kind of let's start making him something. Okay, before we get out of here for this show, uh, just a couple of quick thoughts on uh, the former revival and the current FTR showing up to um, to confront uh, the Young Bucks. Yeah, well, they were, you know it's cool that they were listening to AEW on the radio and realize like, hey, this is a perfect time. We should show up in our car. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, uh, of course, as we talked about before, it would have been a big big reaction if the fans were there and all that kind of stuff. So debut, it's, it's tough, but you, you know, business is business. You still have to go through it. I'm really interested to see how this revival are going to do in AEW. Um, Cause you know, the revival are sticklers for the wrestling rules. They're sticklers for um, the the rules of tag team wrestling. They they're sticklers for um, the credibility of the referee in the match, protecting the credibility of the referee in the match. So, and here in AEW, where none of that applies, psychology, uh, the the referee, no one cares. You know, Rick Knox is sitting there. You might as well just sit there and have a banana in the corner until the match is over, so he can be still telling he needs to count three because that's what he does. You know, it's not his fault. It's just there's what could he do when there's not a bunch of BS is going on? Like, you know, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, God, Matt Hardy didn't realize he was a legal man that ring in that match. Matt Hardy, how long has he been wrestling for? <sighs> Anyways, but it's good. So it's going to be because, you know, Scott Dawson, very vocal guy. Like, it's going to be interesting to see how his personality and how their personalities mix with. AEW, are they going to be you know hard and 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 make these guys work on the rules and, and work around the rules and or are they going to be just whatever you know just whatever just, just lay the land or just going to do what everyone else is doing just 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 goof off but um I mean I mean I'm, I'm more curious about the backstage and in the ring when it comes to this stuff. Okay, so uh, like I said, we will be back on Monday with our We Want Flair segment. Uh, we'll talk about some UFC and anything else that uh, that comes out of uh, of the weekend. So um, for John, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.